Well, we are going to get into our series on the names of God. I, I haven't quite decided. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead in this one. This will either be the last one or I will do one more next week, and I'm just waiting for, for some direction on that. So either this will be the end or next week will be the end, one or the other. Um, can you guys believe it's September? I know. Summer went past. Where did it go, right? We were uh, in the prayer room praying, and, and we just felt like the, the word of the Lord was, we're, gonna, we're marching into a new season. Marching into season. So I said that, and then JD said, yeah, because I felt like harvest. Like God, God's going to bring a harvest. Amen? That's awesome, right? I'm happy that it's September. I like the cooler weather, even though I'm a big fan of summer. I like the cooler weather. I like pumpkin spice lattes, which, yep, which you can now order out of the coffee shop. We've got pumpkin spice syrup back there. So feel free to grab one after the church. My daughter will be out there back there working that. I'm super excited about football. Come on. Come on, right? Yes. My, my son Gabriel had a game last week. It was awesome. I loved every minute of it. It was fun. I get a little intense, don't I, Pete? Pete showed up. I get a little intense during the football games, just a little bit. And, uh, of course, we have our fantasy football draft here at the church on Monday night. Come on. I'm, I'm going to beat my wife this year, just so you know. doesn't happen often. This is the year. This is the year. If you want to turn to Exodus chapter 17 this morning, um, while you're turning there, please remember September 12th. We're going to launch our Bible studies here at the church, Coffeehouse Bible Study. We're going to be serving coffee. We'll have desserts, um, and we're going to come together. We're going to, we're going to study the Bible together. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to pray for one another, exactly what we're called to do, right? And then that should be the launch of starting home groups throughout the Post Falls area. So that's the goal. Please remember, September 12, 6.30. Um, I'm excited to launch that in a week and a half to do that. This morning, we're going to talk about the name of God, Jehovah Nisi. Everybody say, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. We find this in Exodus chapter 17. Let's go uh, verse 15. Let me read it to you. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. And that is the name, the Jehovah Nisi, right there. So what exactly is a banner? Well, it's, it's a flag, right? Like, it's a flag. We have flags everywhere. There's something about humanity that we love colors, we love symbols, we love banners. And I believe that God put that inside of us because he wants us to walk underneath his banner. Like that, he wants us to, to walk underneath his name. And I think that he put that inside of us for that reason. Now, when I, think of, when I think of flags, I think of banners, right? I think of like two armies coming together, right? Anybody love a good like movie where two armies are marching, you know, they're going to fight, there's banners everywhere, their colors are represented. Like, like I think I have a scene up here of the Chronicles of Narnia. Like this is the moment before they fight in, in, in this movie. And we love this movie, right? Like the author was Christian. The, the line in it represents Jesus. And they're going to fight for Jesus. And I love a good, good movie of good versus evil. And I love it when it's like an ancient battle, battle movie. But throughout history, nations have fought over flags, have they not? They, they, when armies would come together, they would, be, they would have their colors, they would have their flags, they, they would be representing, the Rome, Romans would represent Rome, the English would represent England, and so forth and so forth. Do you know the United Nations headquarters in New York 
has 195 flags representing 193 countries. That's, that's just a little part of it right there. That's a lot of flags, isn't it? And there's a lot of people around the world that take pride in their flag, isn't there? Like, because it's important to us. God put that inside of us. He wants us to walk under his name. He wants us to, to be a part of his kingdom. He did that for a reason. Yet we, so we see that one of God's names is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And this morning I want to talk to you about how important it is to walk under the banner of Jehovah, the banner of Jesus. There's a, there's a lot of quote-unquote banners in, in, in the world today, right? We take pride in the American flag. I love the American flag. Every time I see it, my heart jumps, right? It represents the greatest country on earth. It represents freedom. There's a lot of countries in the world today that, that look at our flag and go, I wish I had what they had, right? We love the American flag. We, there's a lot of flags that groups have. Lions, Lions Club, Elks Clubs. High school athletics, right? I was a Wallace Miner. I played under the banner of the Wallace Miners, if you will, right? The Dallas Cowboys, the most recognizable football team in the world. I flew their flag for many, many years outside of my house. I, that, that, it's a, my water bottle has the symbol. Like People love those things. But the single most important banner you will ever have in your life is Jehovah Nisi, the banner of Jesus. And it's vital that we walk underneath that banner. I want to take Exodus chapter 17 this morning. I want to examine why that's important. Why, why that we have this understanding that we need to walk under his banner. Let's start in, in verse 1. And the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, encamped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So remember I preached a couple weeks ago about how God supernaturally provided water. Well, this is a different time. So this is just a little bit later. Verse 2. Therefore the people quarreled, and Moses had said, excuse me, Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the, place, he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel. And because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is not long after it, Israel has already been delivered from being thirsty that we talked about a few weeks ago. And yet, they still don't trust him, do they? They are asking the question, is the Lord among us or not? Is he still with us or did he pack up and leave? And oftentimes we get into a place like that in our life, don't we? 
We get into a place where we start to question. Maybe some of you are there right now. Is the Lord with me or did he leave me? This is difficult. The situation I'm in is hard. God, are you still there? Does the Lord still have his banner over my life? Is he still with me? Verse 8. And Amalek, excuse me, then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Now, I want, I want to know this morning. I want you to know this morning that pe- these people were on a journey. They're tired. They're weary. They're exhausted. And that is exactly the time that the enemy came and decided to attack them. That is exactly the moment that the enemy comes and, and says, hey, I'm going to take what I want from the people of God. They're exhausted. They're tired. They, that is exactly the moment that the enemy usually comes in in our life. The Israelites have been delivered from slavery. They've seen the miraculous. They're on this journey between this will and this wilderness that is dry and difficult. They are going through this time of trial after trial. And they, and they are absolutely exhausted. And that's when the the enemy comes and, they, and he attacks them and says, I'm going to take what I want from them. Listen to this description in Deuteronomy 25. He doesn't just attack when you're tired. He attacks the weak also. Listen to this in verse 17. Remember Amal, excuse me, Amal, Amalek did what did, did he to you on the way as you came out of Egypt. For he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail. Those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God had, has given you rest from all your enemies around you, in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. And I want you to know you have an enemy named Satan. And he often, not always, but often, waits until you are exhausted and weary to attack you. Oftentimes, he doesn't attack you when you're on the mountaintop. When you are excited for God and everything's going great, and man, this is, God, you're moving and doing amazing things. He waits until you're exhausted. He waits until things aren't going well, and that's when he decides to come in. That's when he attacks you. It has often been my experience that Satan will come in and try to deceive you or tempt you or try to cause you to give up right in those moments that you feel like you don't have anything left in the tank. And that's what Amalek represents here. That enemy that will try to attack you when you're tired and you're weary and you don't have anything to give. Sherry and I were talking a few weeks ago. We were talking about when when often... The enemy attacks. Do you know when the enemy often attacks a preacher or a worship leader? Do you know when it most likely is going to happen? Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. I have talked to a many pastors, worship leaders that will all say the same thing. You know, sometimes I get done. I have, I've poured myself out to Jesus. I've given him everything I have. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And you know what happens? A heaviness comes. The enemy tries to tell me you should just give up. You shouldn't do this anymore. You're not called to do this. That is the moment that Satan tries 
to come at people. It is often in your life those evil forces are going to come at you when you're tired and you're exhausted. You should recognize that. That's why rest is so important. We talk about it a lot. You have to rest. You have to have times of rest. There's a Sabbath for a reason. Because that, those are the moments that you're going to be attacked. Let's keep reading verse 9. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with a staff, with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So here's Moses on top of this hill with Aaron and Hur. Whenever Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other, and, and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword." Moses here represents the spiritual battle that is going on. Now, there's a physical battle, but Moses represents the spiritual battle that is happening. In almost every battle you face following Jesus has a spiritual battle to it. Almost every single one. I want you to know that we're going to do a lot of things at the River Church. We're going to advertise we're gonna we're going we're going to we're going to hold events. We are gonna have worship nights. We are going to be the friendliest church that we can possibly be. We are going to connect to our community. We're gonna have Bible studies. We're gonna do all of those things. That's the physical battle, right? But the most important thing that we're going to do is we are going to battle spiritually. Because there's a lot of churches that do a lot of things to build the kingdom of God, and all of all of most of those things are good. But if you aren't fighting spiritually, then you're probably losing. Because we are in a spiritual battle that must be fought. And Moses is up on this hill fighting this spiritual battle. Fortunately, we often lose. Because we don't realize that there's a spiritual battle to be had. We do a lot of the right things, but there's an enemy you have. And he wants to attack you and he wants to overcome you. Almost every battle you face while following Jesus has a spiritual side to it. Almost every single one of them. However, Moses, you'll notice, doesn't fight this battle alone, does he? Aaron and her go up on the mountaintop with him to hold up his hands, to help him to focus on God. And that is exactly why every single believer needs a local body, a church. Every single one of us. Church doesn't happen over the internet. It doesn't happen on the television. It doesn't happen over electronical devices at all. It happens in person. It's so necessary to surround yourself with physically with other believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. you got to have that in your life. There's spiritual battles that you aren't supposed to be fighting by yourself. Some spiritual battles you weren't created to fight by yourself, but as a church, as a body of Christ, there are going to be times that your arms get heavy. 
that Moses' Moses' arms got heavy as he's up there and he's holding them up to God. And there's times you're going to be weary and tired. And it's right about that time that a brother and sister comes along and says, keep on fighting. Don't quit. What you're doing is valuable. Don't give up and don't give in to the enemy. But we have to be together to make that happen. There's going to be times when the battle gets so heavy, they're going to be the ones to come alongside you and lift you up. It's necessary. A couple, a couple months ago, I'm going to use Pete and Sherry a lot in this sermon, just so y'all know. Just so y'all know. A couple months ago, I was Saturday night, and I just, I mean, if you fought a spiritual battle, you know what I'm talking about. I felt just this heaviness come on me, right? Like this, this weightiness. And in that moment, I felt like Satan was doing everything he could to keep me from Sunday. So I entered into a time of prayer. And I'm, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and after some time, I felt like it broke off. Victory was had, finished, done, ready for Sunday. And it wasn't even a minute later, Pete texts me. Hey, pastor, I don't know what's going on, but I want you to know me and Sherry are praying for you. They were playing Aaron and her in that moment, right? They were holding up the hand saying, you're not alone. We're fighting this battle together. Fast forward a couple weeks. Saturday night comes along. I feel the exact same way. Satan doing everything that he can to keep me from Sunday. I didn't even hesitate to text Pete. Hey, here we go. Let's start praying. It was over within an hour. It's so important. There are some battles you are not meant to fight by yourself. You need to surround yourself with the body of Christ. We have to do it. You need a local body of Christ that's going to partner with you. If you want to defend the church, you have to attend the church. It wasn't like Moses was up there focusing on God and praying for people that he didn't know. These are people that he lived with, that he ate with, that he did ministry with, that he laughed with, that he learned about God with. These are people that were a part of his life. And I have met people that think that they're these great spiritual warriors and, they, and we are gonna, we're going to come against the kingdom of darkness. And they're never in any kind of fellowship. If you want to defend the church, you have to attend the church. Let's keep reading verse 14. You guys still with me today? All right. <laughs> a few of you, a couple of you. That's good. Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So God tells Moses, write this down. Write this as a memorial. And this morning, I want to ask you, are you promoting the banner of Jehovah? Or are you promoting your own banner? It's an important question. See, if you are fighting the enemy this morning, but you are busy promoting your own banner and not the banner of Jehovah, it's not going to go well. I want to show you this in Scripture. If you, in in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, the Amalekites show up again. So we know that there's going to be war, like God said it between the Israelites and the Amalekites. It's going to happen. 
And in 1 Samuel 15, this is during Saul's time as a king, and he's the first king of Israel. So listen to what God tells Saul to do to the Amalekites. It says this in verse 1. And Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Remember, we read about that in Deuteronomy, how wrong that was, right? Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Everybody caught that. All that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. By the way, did you know historically the Amalekites are one of the very, very, very few people groups that are in the Bible there's no evidence they ever existed outside of the Bible. Think about that for a minute. The Amalekites are one of the very few people groups that, that are recorded in the Bible, but outside of the Bible, there's no evidence that they ever existed. Do you know why? Because when God says he's going to blot out your name, he's going to blot out your name. He wasn't playing. He makes it happen. Take his word seriously. Listen to what he has to say. I mean, the Philistines, plenty of evidence. All the, all the kings, plenty of evidence in, in the Bible that they all existed. David, that was for a long time. For a long time, people questioned whether David was real or not. You know, they recently found evidence that David was a real man that really lived in Israel. Surprise, surprise. The Amalekites, none. Because when God's going to blot your name out, he's going to blot your name out. Take that serious when it says it in Revelations. It's really important. Sorry, got a little sidetracked there. God tells Saul, completely wipe them out. Leave nothing. Destroy them. I'm going to blot them out. There's going to be nothing left. Destroy everything. Raise up a ban my banner and teach them that you don't mess with the people of God. It's important. So what does Paul do, or Saul do in his pride and his greed? Let me read it to you. And he, well, he attacks them. He keeps some of what they have alive for himself and the people, and he keeps their king alive as a banner to his greatness, to be able to mock their king around and say, look what I have done, right? I like what they had, now I'm going to keep it for myself. The commandment was utterly destroy them, right? Listen to what Samuel says to Saul right afterwards in verse 22. And Samuel said, has the, Lord, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Very popular verse, right? And to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as of the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and adultery. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, has... He has also rejected you from being king. Saul, you aren't interested in raising the banner of Jehovah. You're interested in raising your own banner. Saul, I'm going to take the kingdom from you because you're not interested in me being Jehovah Nisi. Right? He, let, me, let me show you the heart of Saul in just a few verses later in verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned. So this is Saul speaking. Okay? I have sinned 
yet honor me now. That's not a heart of repentance. That's not a heart of sorrow. God, please forgive me. The contrast is, is when David sinned, he said, please don't take your spirit from me. When Saul sinned, he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. Before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul bowed. Saul bowed before the Lord. Saul's heart isn't a heart of repentance or sorrow. It's a, I want to promote my banner. Honor me now. Uh, Jehovah Nisi, no, I don't need to listen. I want to, the people to recognize how great I am in what I have done in my life. And for the nation of Israel. And Saul's banner is eventually destroyed. It's wiped out. Saul's end comes. He's in a battle. He is, he's, uh, he's overcome by the enemy. And instead of being killed by the enemy, he decides to take his own life in suicide. And then you know what happens after that? An Amalekite comes to David. Think about this. An Amalekite comes to David. He lies to David, but he says, starts celebrating and dancing before David and says, I've killed your enemy. It was me. And he expects a reward from David. Now, he got something completely different. But he, an Amalekite comes to David and is celebrating the death of Saul. Think about that. The very person... That was, that was supposed to be wiped out if Saul would have just obeyed the voice of the Lord is now celebrating Saul's defeat. When you raise your banner over the banner of Jehovah, it will always have a tragic end. Let me say that again because this is important. When you raise your banner over the banner of Jehovah, it will always have a tragic end. The enemy you were supposed to overcome will be celebrating overcoming you. Some of us have been busy raising our own banner, promoting how great we are and keeping the enemy alive. Some of us have been feeding the enemy through our, through our pride. Some of us have been feeding the enemy through our sin. And some of us have been feeding the enemy through our stubbornness. And you know, Saul had all three of those things going for him in his life. And he kept the Amalekites alive when he never should have. And then they celebrate his demise. We need to raise the banner of Jehovah. So high that when the enemy sees it, he knows that the, the signal is clear. When you mess with me, you're messing with Jehovah. It ain't my banner. You're messing with the God behind me. That's exactly what Moses' entire life, the Bible describes him, describes him as the hum, most humble man that ever lived. And his entire life was raise the banner of Jehovah. And the enemy knows if I'm messing with him, I'm messing with Jehovah Nisi also. And that changes a whole lot of things. Remember our, our main verses for this, for this series, Philippians 2.9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, Jesus. 
Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus is Jehovah Nisi. See, it's the mission of every church to raise the banner of Jesus. That is our primary directive. Not a person, not, certainly not a pastor, not a worship leader, but to raise the banner of Jesus. John 3, no one has ascended to heaven except for he who ascended from heaven. This is talking about Jesus, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our primary directive as a church is to lift the banner of Jesus so high the entire world can't, re can't refuse to see it. That is our primary purpose, church. Not a person, not a worship group, not anything else. The banner of Jesus. When we serve our community, it's because we want to raise the banner of Jesus. He loves you, and he, you could be saved from your sins. When we, when we do a, an evangelism group, an evangelism outreach, it's because he's the banner of Jesus. We, he loves you, and you could be saved from your sins also. We will raise the banner of Jesus as high as it will go. That is our primary directive. And we let God do the rest. Let God do the rest. Did you guys know this week that the, the church sign got a facelift? Did you, get, you get so used to driving by, you don't look at it, right? The, the church, the church uh, sign out here got a facelift. It looks fantastic. So Tom and Sabrina, Tom's been on vacation all week, and they came out on Monday, and they painted it and made it look nice. Check it out when you get out there. I love it. I think it looks good. So on Monday, they get out. I think it was Monday. It was Monday, right? I get out. Uh, they get out there, and, and they take the metal off so that they could paint behind it. And, uh, and next thing you know, I get a phone call. I think I was, I was at the dentist. And Tom's like, hey, can you come help us? I'm like, sure, I'll be there. I think I'm, I was leaving right then. I'll be there in five, ten minutes. So I get to the, I get to the church, and you will never believe how hot, heavy that metal sign is. I mean, I mean, a couple hundred pounds. I don't know. It was heavy, like super heavy. So we're like, okay, let's, let's lift this back onto place so we can screw it back into the, to the boards that are out there. And so Tom's on one side, I'm on the other. We lift, we get it all the way up there. It's heavy. We're shaking, right? I'm not joking. We're shaking. Sabrina's like trying to get the screw in the hole. It was a no-go. <laughs> Couldn't do it. <laughs> like, it did not take us long to realize that we were in trouble, that we needed some help. So I was like, okay, well, my brother lives five minutes away. Let me call him. So I called him. He comes over. We're sitting. We're there. We, we, uh, we get this metal sign. I'm on one side. Cody's on the other. Tom has his hand underneath the sign so that he can try to lift it with us and a, a drill. Sabrina's standing there. She's like, okay, left, right, up, down. Like, right? She's trying to direct us. There was a moment, I honestly did not think that we were going to get that, that sign in there. Like, I thought we were going to need to call Pete. We are going to need to call everybody in the world. Like, this ain't going to work. <laughs> Finally, there's nothing better than when you hear that. And okay, we got it. We got it. Then there was the other side, too. We had to do the other side because there's two sides to it. That was fun. So here's the four of us lifting the church sign. But I want you to know that it's going to take every single person in this room to lift the banner of Jesus up. If any of us are not lifting, we're only hurting ourselves. It takes every single one of us to lift the banner of Jesus as high as we can get it in post falls. So as the worship team's coming forward,
I want to ask you a question. There's, there's a, there, many of you in the room, many of you in the room are doing a lot to lift the banner of Jesus. And I appreciate you guys to no end. It's, it's, it's wonderful. But I want to ask the question. What are you doing to lift the banner of Jesus? What, are you, what, is, what is your part in lifting the banner of Jesus? We want to lift the banner of Jesus so high that the entire community of Post Falls, the entire county of Kootenai, even Spokane, wherever, cannot but help recognize the fact that Jesus is in the community. I've asked this, I asked this question on Vision Sunday. I'm going to ask it again. If this church ceased to exist, would any of our neighbors even notice? Would, any of, would Post Falls even take an account? They even notice. Or do they look at us and they go, oh, Jesus is there. Jesus is loving, caring, tells the truth, because we will always preach the truth but he wants to forgive us of our sins. Would the community even notice we're gone? Are we lifting the banner? What part do you play in lifting the banner of Jesus? And maybe you don't know, and that's okay. Like there's no condemnation with that. Maybe you're just waiting on God to say, hey, this is my part. This is the thing that I can do, right? Because, because I, I'm holding the sign out there and I'm a little bit of the muscle behind it, but I don't have the screwdriver and I'm not drilling the hole and I'm not giving the directions. But if Sabrina's not standing back and telling us left, right, up, down, we're not going to make it. It's not happening. All of us play a role to lift the banner of Jesus. What is your part? So as the prayer team is coming forward and we're going to close with a song. I didn't tell you this. That's okay. <laughs> As, as, as we close in a song, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I, I, I want to encourage you to take advantage of coming forward and praying. If, if, if you don't know what your role is, if you're in a spot where you're like, you know, I need to decide what I want to do for Jesus, I want to encourage you to come pray with these people. And, and, and maybe God will speak to you in these moments and, and encourage you where to go and how to serve. Amen.